Chapter 1 Can't You Guys Do One Thing Right? They were exhausted. Empty. Six weeks of spring training had given way to six months of regular season and another three weeks of thrill-to-the-marrow playoff excitement and pressure. It was autumn 2004, and the late, late nights had blended into fuzzy mornings with folks asking, Did that really just happen? Those four wins against the Yankees, the comeback trick that nobody'd turned in more than a century of postseason baseball, were played on four consecutive days, an aggregate 18 hours and 12 minutes over 44 intense innings. That's an average of more than four and a half hours per game. Games four and five at Fenway were actually won on the same calendar day, October 18th, because Game 4 stretched past midnight and Game 5 started fewer than 16 hours later. It was something like a morning-night doubleheader. The World Series against the St. Louis Cardinals was a blur. It was a little bit anticlimactic, if you can say such a thing about the first World Series title in 86 years for a city starving for a baseball championship. At the end, the Red Sox were an army of steamrollers. The World Series games were not nearly as exciting as those in the epic playoff against the Yankees. Despite all the bad things that happened to the franchise after Babe Ruth was sold in 1920, there was a sense of inevitability about the Red Sox march to the finish line after they beat the Yankees in the 2004 American League Championship Series. Major League Baseball's 100th World Series was tension-free. Nothing like those fall classics of 1946, 67, 75, or 86, all of which ended with the Sox losing a seventh game. The carpet in the visitors' clubhouse at Bush Stadium was still champagne-soggy when the tired, triumphant 2004 Red Sox gathered in their own ancient locker room at Fenway for the parade. The 04 Red Sox were enjoying their first days of folk hero status in New England. All the stuff that everyone had been saying turned out to be true. These guys would never have to buy another beer in Boston. Kevin Millar was going to be able to live off the moment for the rest of his life. Dave Roberts was going to get asked about that stolen base every day until he was 90 years old. David Ortiz was the Dominican Yaz, Manny Ramirez was World Series MVP, and Free Spirit Orlando Cabrera would be forever worshipped as the guy who replaced the legendary Nomar Garcia Parra. Lanky goofball Derek Lowe was done pitching for the Red Sox, but he was also destined to be a trivia answer as the man who got the win in the clinching game of every round of the playoffs. Boston Mayor Tom Menino and the Red Sox brass plotted the parade meticulously, embracing the concept of a rolling rally, which would maximize fans' exposure to the hub's new heroes. Red Sox players, staff, and their families would ride in duck boats up Boylston Street, then double back down the Charles River. Fans were expected to line the route. Sox CEO Larry Lucchino grew impatient, wanting the day to unfold without a hitch. But then, no one could find the sweatshirts. And that's where our story starts. The sweatshirts had world champion Red Sox stenciled on the front. They were supposed to be worn by all the players, coaches, members of the front office, and the manager. They'd keep everybody warm and bring a measure of uniformity to this motley band of gypsy champions.
The 2004 Red Sox were not a buttoned-down bunch. They were players who passed paper cups around the clubhouse and took a nip of Jack Daniels before cold October night games in New York. Johnny Damon famously labeled his own team idiots, and Sox fans embraced them for their absence of conformity. They had beards, untucked jerseys, and hair down to here, down to there. Damon looked like a lead guitarist from the Woodstock Festival. Bronson Arroyo brought cornrows to the mound. Pedro Martinez could barely get his cap over the crop of black roughage on top of his head. Manny Ramirez looked like he was playing baseball wearing pajamas. Theo Epstein, the general manager, was a 30-year-old rock star who wore jeans to the office most days. When the unkempt socks fell behind the Yankees three games to zero, reporters questioned their profession.